This is the Beyond the Studio podcast, and you're listening to Season 3, Beyond the Studio East Coast Edition. I'm Amanda Adams. And I'm Nicole Muller, and we're here to help you figure out the business of being an artist. Here we'll have honest conversations with artists, makers, and business experts, and dive deep into the work that happens beyond the studio. If you find value in listening to these conversations, please consider leaving us a rating and a review or sharing some of your favorite episodes with your creative community. It's the easiest way to show us some love and help others find the podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Before we get started with today's episode, I just wanted to drop in, in case you didn't notice, this is part one of the conversation. So be sure to tune in next week to listen to part two. We do this whenever an episode goes kind of long, rather than give you a super long episode, we break it into two halves. So half one is today, part two is next week. On today's episode of Beyond the Studio podcast, we are so fortunate to be speaking with Hiba Shabazz, who is a Brooklyn-based artist and painter. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me, Nicole and Amanda. Of course. Um, I wondered if in your own words, you could just introduce yourself and what it is that you make. I'm Hiba and I'm an artist and um, mostly I make paintings. I trained as an Indo-Persian miniature painter back when I lived in Pakistan. And so that was like basically really small paintings. A few years ago, I scaled up to large life-size works on paper, mostly painted with watercolor and tea with like smaller pieces of paper kind of joined together. And uh, since last summer, I've been painting on canvas and linen with oils. So that's something new that I'm working on in the studio right now. So when was it that you moved to Brooklyn then? Um, I saw that you went to graduate school at Pratt. I did. I moved to Brooklyn, I think it was around 2010. I started school like a few weeks after I moved here. I hadn't been to the U.S. like since I was seven. I think I came one summer with my parents. So it had been a while. And um, it was it was like just uh, we just decided like the winter before that to move. Like I kind of needed a change and school seemed to be like a, a good way to transition to just like get to like get to understand the space and the city and um, I just I ended up in Brooklyn because firstly my brother lives here and um, my father and my husband both went to NYU so they were all like if you want to leave the country you are going to New York mm. I was like okay not a bad place for an artist <laughs> to be yes I'm 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 grateful that we we moved to Brooklyn um, and what was that experience like for you in graduate school um, and maybe those first few years after what was that transition like it was great throughout my 20s I was you know I was painting a little bit but I wasn't really showing my work and uh, I was teaching like at a couple of places I really wanted some time to just paint so I kind of feel like I used like grad school as a really long residency 
yeah i think i would have gone for really long residency but i don't think my family would have been so chill with that so i needed like something like something to give them so i was like i'm going to school so yeah it was great i painted for a few years moved into the studio building i'm in now like about a week after school started and just started working and i think while i was in school i was still kind of interested in i mean i figured i would need a job and so i was also doing uh the museum studies program uh which was really interesting and i learned so much just in about like american art history and things like that but i don't know when i graduated uh something just had kind of clicked in me and i wasn't so interested in doing anything else so i just decided to take the plunge into being a full-time artist without really knowing what to expect at all <laughs> and just sort of figured it out as i went along wow yeah so you've been in the same studio building then for almost 10 10 years that's pretty amazing for especially a city like new york i feel well i hate moving so that's one reason and uh, i've moved like studios four times within the building okay started with mm-hmm. a shared space and then a slightly larger space which is probably a little bigger than this platform i'm sitting on right now and uh, then maybe like um a little bigger and so i keep outgrowing them and keep moving into bigger studios uh just because the work keeps getting bigger and but i've i've stayed in the same building um although during covid i really was wanting to just be right next to the house um because i couldn't like i couldn't go there but it's you know it's like i'm also kind of a creature of habits so yeah mhm yeah i'm really curious to hear how covid has affected the way that you're creating especially if you were doing such large scale things in your studio and then having to either work from home or closer to home um what has that shift kind of looked like in your practice between you know the city closing down and opening up and kind of going through everything yeah i guess when we went into quarantine I was preparing for a show and uh, I stopped doing that and um I brought like some of my studio home but mostly water-based paints and some of this uh handmade paper I have for miniature painting so I bought some tools home and I didn't really know what to expect but I just I kind of started painting miniatures again after a while and um just only like concentrating on them which was really great too because there's there's kind of a magic to like just being in one space and like const- like really being able to focus and zoom in on something which is so delicate and for me like miniature is kind of a second language so it gives me a fair amount of comfort So I started working on those and then the gallery suggested, you know, we do a small show and so I ended up having a show anyway but uh just with paintings made during uh self-isolation. Yeah, so I w- I worked from home and it's probably a lot of cat hair in those paintings. Um <laughs> and uh had the show and it was I strange. I definitely relate to that. <laughs> Yeah, it was uh it was strange in the way that 
me and my framer once we went into phase two are the only two people in the world who saw that exhibition because <laughs> i made it mm. i sent it to the framer and then it got collected by a service and it got redistributed to you know whoever owned the artwork and so that moment was so strange because it was such it was such a deeply involved moment in making the work like usually i'm very kind of in a flow state when i'm painting but i'm kind of only thinking of myself <laughs> and at this point when i was making all these paintings i was kind of um in a very different headspace and trying to be of service and you know trying to hold space for a lot of people i knew and you know trying to like teach people's kids and just like do do whatever i could to contribute so the show was special to me and so when like no one saw it i was like oh my god no one saw this <laughs> what was the point of that no um it just shows how much artists crave communication and validation so that was kind of like hard but beautiful in its own way you know after a point i couldn't do it anymore like just sit at home so i went back to the studio and yeah now i'm painting large paintings again <laughs> no cat hair <laughs> i know one of the reasons why we wanted to start having conversations with this podcast is because the studio practice regularly can be very isolating and that like need for feedback is a real thing and and making your work and not being able to witness people observe it or know that it was seen kind of in the the way that you had intended I can relate to that uh that frustration because it's so it's so necessary it's part of the process to kind of understand and inform what you want to do next yeah yeah definitely um it has been a little strange I mean I think probably I got through the most isolating parts of self-isolation by just not just the show but trying to be involved in the community in general and that gave me like some level of connection i'm like the most unorganized like zero daily routine person and i actually had a routine <laughs> for the last four months which was just i was like who am i so someone i know my healer had started a meditation group and I usually meditate on my own so I would I had like a whole plan like I'd wake up and then I'd meditate and then I'd paint and then like I'd cook and I was doing all these things that I'd never done but then like a couple of months ago I was like no more I can't do it uh and there's like a magic you know when you go back to the studio and you walk in and it's just you and your paintings looking at you you have no idea what you're doing and you put the music on and like everything is perfect and i really kind of didn't even realize until i went back that oh my god i really i like i take this so much for granted because it's my everyday life but i really kind of missed that feeling and that just being in this like flow of creation and being in like your art space even though i'm always complaining about not having a studio at home because i'm like i want to paint in my pajamas but after this happened i'm like but do i do i really <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, I can definitely relate to that feeling. That's such a beautiful description of it too because when we first started sheltering in place, I I just stopped going to the studio altogether. I felt like I couldn't get there and also just emotionally, you know, part of it was was time. Um I also you know, been working a day job and we were working a little bit on the podcast, but it just, it felt like a lot was happening. And so I wasn't able to, you know, just mentally create the space for that. But when I finally did start going back to it, it was just so refreshing and to be able to get back into making and, you know, that, that felt like a form of meditation in itself. And just having that quiet time where, you know, at least for a moment, you sort of forget everything that's happening outside in the world. And it's been really, I think, life-giving in this time. And and also spending, you know, all this time in front of screens. Um, Even that, just getting back to doing something with your hands has been, for me, really, uh, I I didn't realize how much I missed that or needed that until I started going back there. I was wondering um, if you've been also finding um, dialogue or, or community with other artists in this time. It seems like from a distance, at least from following you and your work and seeing you on social media, that studio visits were a really big part of your community or seemed like something that you were um, doing often. And so I'm curious if that was the case and um, how that's shifted, if you've been able to you know, find other ways to connect with other artists in this time. Yeah, I guess that did really change. Um... I suppose I I connected in some ways that um, I have a few friends who teach at universities, so like I virtually visited their students. I felt like all these, you know, imagine if we were all in college and we suddenly lost our studios and our teachers were talking to us online and we were studying fine art. Uh, Wow. So I just... um, Some New York artists were just sending out these Google Docs to sign up to just work on their classes with them so we did that and I feel like I do get a certain amount of connection distant connection online just because uh, people write you know people write and they reach out whether it's artists who are struggling or younger artists usually it's women like 99% of the time Uh, and uh, who are just um yeah, who just want to reach out. And so, yeah, I made some friends, uh, you know, some friends who I, like, I maybe haven't even met in real life, but we've spoken on the phone and, you know, we've done, like, projects to raise money and stuff together. So I think that aspect of community was there. A lot of artists banded together and started um, organizations or organized shows and things like that. But yeah, uh, in-person visits did not happen. And I started having people at the studio recently, but very, like I got tested first and only like very, for very specific reasons. Like I have an interview which was delayed since January. Um, So we did that uh, studio visit with the gallery and, you know, with the gallerist and just like some people who I really needed to see and a couple of artists but like very kind of not like it not like it was uh before and in in some ways that's interesting because if there are like too many studio visits i also struggle with that i'm like i need time to paint and then i get like really frustrated because like you're trying to wear your 
you're painting cap, but then you know someone's coming at three o'clock and you have to like shift gears. So I would try to overwhelm myself and have four people over in one day <laughs> so I could paint for four days. But then by six o'clock, I would just be like, oh my, oh my goodness. It's also kind of nice to have space a little bit because this moment, hopefully, hopefully, uh, will not happen again. And to actually be able to stop for a second while still working for several shows, uh, but to be able to like stop a part of what you do as an artist for a second and uh, take that like energy that you put into that interaction and put it in something else is also has also been kind of interesting. I mean, not just the fact that I perfected chocolate chip cookies, but like just uh-huh. like and like trying to do a lot of I go into this weird learning mode, I call it, where I start like doing all these self-help programs and reading every night. See, she's saying, yes, I know what you I know what you're doing. <laughs> Yeah, this is all very relatable. I feel like this season has been a real uh, time of like, okay, what do I need to work on in myself? What are the what are my problem areas that I could improve on? How how am I through you know my own selfishness or insecurities or whatever whatever baggage I'm carrying with me? How is that affecting my you know my partner and my ability to create or or whatever? I totally can <laughs> get into that as well. Yeah. That's been like a huge part of my last few months. I'm tired now. I need to stop. I have I I have a few goals I need to accomplish and then I need to like stop the self-help just for like a few months. Yeah, you can't be introspective at all times, but it's good to have periods of introspection. But it, you know, you can't look at yourself constantly. Yeah. It's exhausting. I mean, there are so many flaws. And then when there's no one else around, you're just looking at them. Yeah. What um, I know we've been talking a lot about this year in particular, um, and I do want to go back and hear more about the totality of your life and journey so far. But I am curious if there are other ways that um, that maybe we haven't talked about yet that this you know year has shifted things for you or your practice. I think um, when this year came around, you know, and I was so I was so struck by everyone making 2020 resolutions, like 2020 vision and all of this stuff. I was like, I need a resolution. And so one of my resolutions was to have a show in New York. And I didn't show here for a few years, like not as in a solo show. I worked with a gallery a few years ago and I got burned. So I kind of <laughs> was working quite specifically with women uh, galleries and not locally. And so I did realize that it's been a while and I need to kind of have a show here. And so I put that on the books and it doesn't seem like such a big deal, but I guess it was kind of it took like a little bit of a mental shift to tell myself I'm ready, you know, come what may. Then of course the show got postponed. <laughs> anyway, oh. it's in September now, so I'm still working for it. I guess we decided to do a two-part show, have like an online version and then show the larger paintings later. That was something that I wanted to do, like uh, try to 
work with a gallery like put more time in with a single gallery and see how that relationship goes because usually i love the freedom of being able to do whatever i want and work with whoever i want you know wherever they are there is there's like a lot of freedom to that uh, which i think you kind of let go of if you decide to partner with a gallery with the intention that either you will work with them or see if the relationship works and then you will work with them and so uh, i kind of just felt like i was a little stretched um i've kind of been in this phase for the last few years where i've just been doing a lot of shows and saying no to very few things and i i was feeling very saturated like i i check my email twice a week it's gotten really bad because i just like don't have the mental capacity like my mind was so full and i was so saturated that i i stopped like i literally lost the ability to do all the to so many different things that i needed to do and so i really wanted to like try to scale that back and try to give some of that responsibility to another person and so that's been that's been different and we're kind of seeing how that goes and it's nice to have like you know a person you can just like forward request to or who you can ask like well there's this project and i don't know if i want to do it and just like kind of get their opinion instead of having to do everything on your own so i feel like i'm kind of trying like testing that at the moment and seeing how that goes i suppose in a way that's probably the biggest shift uh i feel like i already made a really big shift last year when i started working with oils and it came out of a situation of like extreme angst i was having a really really bad year and um i was feeling really angry which i don't know hasn't happened since 2006 and uh, i felt like the paper couldn't really hold it and so i walked into a store and bought their largest canvas and bought a bunch of oil painting oil painting stuff and went back and i started trying to teach myself how to paint and i'm really bad at it by the way um but luckily i have a lot of artists who are really good at it around me and so they really really helped me out a lot with with that and um i think like that that's been kind of a really big deal for me personally just like the because the medium is so different and i think i needed sort of a mental shift because like paper has a certain preciousness to it and when you're kind of working within a tradition you know that has its own pressure and preciousness because you're supposed to like carry on this tradition and it comes with its all its own baggage and so i wanted to let go of it a little bit and just see what happens and so yeah so it's been like there's been a, a fair amount of change i think um but i feel like things have been changing a lot in these last few years like just generally like i've been all over the place a little bit <laughs> you know you just have to you have to ride it when it comes because i guess there are these years where we're all so like focused on what we're doing and there's like a certain steadiness and a stillness to that where we're just finessing that or growing that 
then you have like these years which are like super turbulent as artists and we're like trying different things and figuring stuff out and working with different people and no one knows what's going on but we're just doing it <laughs> so that's kind of where I am right now yeah it's interesting to hear you talk about the ways that you have been trying to um, protect your time in the studio and your creative energy in order to focus on your work and on giving yourself the time and space to explore and to make these changes, um, whether shifting mediums or diving into a new facet of your practice. I am kind of curious to hear about early in this year when you made that decision that you were ready for a show that you wanted to explore this new relationship and um, you know how did you go from that to lining something up for yourself for these pre-existing connections that you had or was it something new that you were seeking um, and then also what was the the criteria for you know what you were looking for in that relationship well I think like for the last few years I was under some pressure generally by the New York community that you haven't shown your large paintings here so in the back of my mind I knew I had to do it at some point what I really wanted was an art dealer who I trusted like and who was um, you know invested in artists and like I was kind of looking, I was not like looking, looking, but I was interested in a specific, it's, it's really hard to pinpoint, like you have an intuition about people, right? Last year, I was, I had thought around the summer that I would do like studio visits with galleries who had requested them and galleries who I knew as friends. Um, I didn't. Uh, I had like a complicated summer, started oil painting, and I took the time for myself. I did a few, and they were all they were all great. But the the gallery I'm working with right now, he was recommended by a close friend who I really trust, and she's in the curatorial world. And she was like, "He's a good guy," and I was like, "Well then, <laughs> that's a really good starting point." And um, <laughs> yeah. I didn't see him immediately because I was, you know, I was working, but then I did run into him in Miami and I kind of liked him. And so we did a studio visit, I guess, when we both got back to New York and things moved pretty fast after that. But I think like everyone goes about this so differently. Mm -hmm. And um, my experience, like my experience with art and life has been so different because I literally never have a plan, but I try to set an intention. So I guess before I moved to New York, I set an intention that I was going to uh, apply to school and start a semester in six months. So like a lot of things in my life have happened with setting intentions for them. And for me, the hardest part is to make that intention because I think I carry a lot of fear as a person. You know, I'm always like second guessing or if something freaks me out, it's really hard for me to think clearly around it or logically. And so I think a lot of having, taking the step to work here was was setting an intention because I mean, I do, I do have the privilege of living here. So just by that reason, 
I do know a lot of the galleries and you know I've met them in passing and people ask for studio visits and then it's like kind of up to you to be like yes I want it or no I don't want it or like let's meet let's not meet and uh, I try to be careful like usually my studio visits I have a lot of them but they're not always with art dealers just because I love art dealers I think they they you know they sell our work <laughs> I'm a really <laughs> bad seller uh, so that's great for me but they have their own kind of energy and they are thinking of the selling part you know and I think of the making part and so unless I'm fairly certain of that I don't necessarily want an art dealer in my space because I know that the feedback they give me will be based on sales which is great but also my knee-jerk reaction as an artist is to be like I will never do that <laughs> so it's not like that great so I have to kind of like filter that so mostly like I'll have a lot of writers I'll have a lot of women I'll have a lot of other artists but I won't have a lot of like business people at the studio um and sometimes yeah so so David who I'm working with right now you know he came by he's amazing he has three really cute daughters and he's you know he's into the art I mean he might not be the most established gallery I could work with right now, but I kind of like his program a lot. And I, I like him as a person. And I think that's what I was looking for personally. Like I needed someone who I could connect with at some level. And not that we have like a deep emotional connection or everything, but we have enough trust. And I also really like that he's like a no games kind of guy. Like he's like, I want this and he kind of goes for it I'm like I can be very kind of flaky and um, by that I mean that I've been so not as involved as I should be in the business of art I tend to often be a gallerist nightmare so you kind of need to have a certain temperament to deal with me honestly like you you have to like you know know that I'm a pain and that you can you have to like kind of want want to deal with me to be able to deal with me a little bit and you know I really I saw that in him and I was like okay so we're trying it out and um yeah there's no formula I think like there's so much mystery around it you know I think the biggest problem is that people expect it to happen really fast like people think that and for some people it does it does happen really fast but I think what most people in the art world want to see is that you're here and you're committed. If they see that, that you're a person who has a goal or you're committed, whether it's to yourself, your practice, whatever it is that you're doing, and you, you're a part of this community and this is what you're doing, and then they will automatically, uh, people kind of come forth. But yeah, when you're kind of new and you're a complete outsider, it can be a little brutal because you know no one knows you and you literally speak a different language and everyone kind of knows everyone and yeah instagram is also good for that if you're a hermit like me it's a good <laughs> good way to get to know people 
Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of wisdom in your what you're saying about establishing relationships that are authentic, but also that, you know, you're you're sort of deciding who to surround yourself with and, you know, who you're looking for, for feedback from and, um, and understanding what you're looking for out of those relationships too, um, along with what you can contribute. Cause I just think about my own experience in art school and you often don't have a lot of control over who's coming in and out of your studio or maybe just the experience to be able to filter through some of that feedback. So I think learning as you go to, create that community around you that is going to support your work in the ways that you need and that will you know offer the kind of feedback that you're looking for so that you're able to kind of protect again I think it seems to connect to that you know connecting your own creative time and energy and so knowing what you need and seeking out those influences seems like an important piece of it and and also just working with genuine people <laughs> seems uh, to to make a lot of sense you know it's it's funny that that's such a seems like such a baseline requirement but obviously that's not always the case and so being intentional about that too even if it takes longer um, like you mentioned than expected I think it's it's important for young artists especially to hear that yeah I feel like sometimes we will think like who can I collaborate with that can I can have like the best professional relationship with when often the personal inter- relationship and interaction makes a huge difference. It's almost like dating, like the people that you collaborate with, you want to know that you have good communication, that you kind of understand where the other person is coming from, that you're looking out for each other, that there's that mutual respect. And it's not just about who can advance your career the farthest, but like who is really going to be an advocate for you and an ally and someone that's going to help you push your career the in the direction that you want to and, and what the direction you deserve to go in. And on your terms, you know, like your terms might not be what other people's terms are. Like you don't have to want the same thing I want. I think most artists don't want, don't want what I want. Um, I literally like I'm at the studio all the time painting. I don't go out a lot. I don't party. And I have like a limited amount of physical energy and I put that into my work. I like that, like that's kind of my space. And for other people get, like people get into art for all kinds of reasons. And even artists, not every artist, and this is not about like, like from major, major artists who would have like zero need to do anything else, still teach and they still make communities and they still do these things because like Michelle Obama just started a podcast I know it's amazing (laughs) (laughs) you better believe we listened to it as soon as it came out yesterday two days ago (laughs) as of the time of this recording I still haven't listened yeah I need to listen to it too I'm gonna do it tonight um but it's because like you know we need different things as people and I think that's so like that's so important to recognize and then like fulfill those because when we try to walk in someone else's shoes it doesn't really work or it doesn't work in a way that might be sustainable or satisfying like in this moment I know for me I need to give 98% of energy in my studio and 2% to checking my email just to be satisfied as a human 
And so that's what I'm doing, although I'm trying to increase that to 95 and 5% just to be more functional. Um, <laughs> but who knows, like in a few years, like I used to love to teach. I love the interaction I have with students and other people. And even though I'm like very, very hermetic day to day, I don't think I'm antisocial by nature. I think I do get along with people on the rare occasion that I go out and meet them. Um, <laughs> I think it's just like an er energy thing. Like I just put in, I'm putting in so much energy into the work that I just literally don't have any leftover. And I think like we have to figure it out. Like, um, you know, you have this community and you have it with each other. You, you've obviously been friends for a while and, you know, you're building this platform and it's for you and it's for other artists and it's for the art world. And it's kind of your path. And I don't know if it's something that I could do, but I really respect that you're doing it and that you're putting all this, like, you're making something, like it's also kind of its own art, right? I have a friend, Brian Alfred, who also does a couple of podcasts and- Yeah, Sound and Vision. Yeah, Sound and Vision. And he's, he started one uh, after quarantine and we all sent him these, these voice memos. <laughs> and, um, and you know he but he also works as an artist and so i think like different people go different routes and a lot of people need like different levels of social interaction at different times and not everyone wants to be an artist who shows with a gallery and that's i think that's totally fine too like it's it's not i've seen i've seen artists who prefer to like work in pop-up spaces or who kind of have set up their own studios but they make their own merchandise but they also make their own paintings and they sell their own prints and it's like treated as a business but it's their business and they're like not giving you know a cut to anyone and they're completely accountable to themselves and they have their own vendors and it's so different from what i do but i think you have to just figure out what fulfills you really I really do believe that the intention is important. Now I'm gonna sound like a real like hippy dippy, but <laughs> well, no, I I also I feel like there's this theme of self awareness really coming out, and Amanda and I have talked about that before too. Just knowing knowing yourself in every sense, like knowing your strengths and weaknesses, knowing what it is you want and need, knowing you know, where, where you can be most effective and where you want to spend your time. And that's also much easier said than done. You know, I think about that, the ratio you just mentioned, like what percentage of your time do you want to be spending on, you know, administrative work versus in the studio versus with your family versus, you know, all these other life obligations that we have. And I do think it's easy to lose sight of that sometimes. You know, I think about there's that like, breakdown of urgent versus important versus, you know, your priorities versus someone else's priorities. And I mean, we all have to deal with all these conflicting expectations. And so really knowing what it is that's important to you is so, so essential because I, I know that I get caught up sometimes in what's a priority for someone else. And I end up spending, you know, so much time answering emails that feel really urgent and important, even though ultimately they're not that <laughs> important to me. So being able to really create those boundaries for yourself is harder to do than it sounds, but it's really wonderful to hear how, how intentional you are with all of that and how much you're prioritizing yourself. 
the email is a slip up honestly like i really feel like my brain kind of shut down a few years ago and i lost my ability to multitask like it was there and then it vanished and now it's gone and there's nothing i can do like it doesn't matter who the e- email is from it could be from the gallery it could be like i'll go days and i'm working with this really great gallery in london un- unit uh, and um so they have a whatsapp group because you know they know i'll ne- never going to check my email and slowly like all the admin people are on the whatsapp group but i turned my whatsapp notifications off a few months ago and so now like when the whatsapp message goes out i usually get a dm which says hey we sent you a whatsapp message which is usually about an email someone sent a week ago and it sounds awful right like i sound like the worst artist and which is why i'm like you really have to want to to work with me and i really need to be able to kind of make that connection with with the other person because i really i don't know how it got to this point like i blame it on assimilation in america <laughs> i blame it on the fact that i've been assimilating into this society and that i'm just saturated so i think like a part of me has shut down and i can't take in any more information especially if it's written but yeah it's like that part was a little unintentional I feel like I do lose out a little bit because of it because you know there are certain people or collectors whose emails you won't get to because you haven't checked in 5 days and they'll think you're ignoring them or you're not interested but really you are really really interested it's just that you totally forgot to check your email for 5 days I used to be really good I used to check it like every day I'm going to stop talking about email right now but as you can see I'm really like considering trying to fix this problem <laughs> before it gets really yeah, bad Yeah oh it's so funny that because a man and I just had this conversation even related to you know working on the podcast and I it's like we have to keep up with these emails but then how do we do that in a way that fits both of our I mean we have very different lifestyles, you know. I'm working an administrative job right now where I have to be on the computer all the time even though I don't really want to be and Amanda needs to spend time in her home studio in order to get anything done and really can't be focused on the admin work. So yeah. it's it's a struggle, but I know, I mean, I'll just be really candid. It's taken me there are emails sitting in our beyond the studio inbox that I haven't touched in months and it gives me so much guilt. If anyone has emailed us, <laughs> and I haven't replied. I'm so sorry, but it's not for lack of, you know, <laughs> thought or care. It just it's just one of those things. I think it it creates a certain anxiety and then I don't mm-hmm. know, you just never get to it and yeah, and I feel like some people are very good at responding very quickly to things and, you know, giving everything that needs their attention, their attention. And some of us are not as good at that. Like I had to, like what Nicole was talking about, I had to be like, yeah, I basically check my email once or twice a week. And there are certain seasons where that number will fluctuate, um, you know, where maybe I check it once every other week or seasons where I'm checking it every day or all day, every day. Um, It just, it shifts and it, it depends, but you have to be able to find, especially if creating the work is a big part of like what you have to accomplish and what you have to get done. You have to almost set these really strict boundaries of for yourself where you're like, okay, this is just a day of creating. I don't have to do emails. I don't have to do meetings. I'm just going to focus on 
making the work and letting myself get totally lost and immersed in that. And then there are days like Nicole and I have trouble going back and forth, or at least we've talked about it in the past. It's hard to do um, like our different projects in the same day. It's like if it's a beyond the studio day, I'm just working on podcast stuff. I can't even think about sewing or drawing on those days. And if it's a sewing or drawing day, it's like my brain can't even fathom looking at an email. It's like, no, that's just digital stress. Get it away. Yeah, I yes. totally, I totally, I totally get that. And honestly, I feel so happy and validated right now that you both have so many emails in your <laughs> inbox. I'm like, yes, I'm not the only one. Oh, I'll, I'll look at it right now. And I did emails today. I still have 89 unaddressed emails in my inbox. So I will never judge. (laughs) Take your time. We're trying to adjust the standard of like, you have to respond same day. You can respond whenever you need. But yeah, some people might bypass your opportunity because you didn't respond fast enough. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, I do feel like people do take offense. And in New York, kind of everyone is so on it that... Um, fast-paced. I'm pretty sure I've been labeled as some kind of troublemaker who has an <laughs> attitude problem, but honestly, I'm not. I just like, I'm just really bad at anything involving a computer. I don't even have, I don't have a computer in the studio or internet. So there we go. Oh. It's actually really refreshing to hear because I think we live in such this digital age that there is that expectation that you're just on all the time or that you're constantly connected. And so it really, I think it's, yeah, it's great that <laughs> you don't have that in your studio space. And That's it for this half of the conversation. Tune in next week to listen to part two. That's it for this episode of the Beyond the Studio podcast. You can find show notes, references, and a brief summary of the episode over at our website, beyondthe.studio. While you're there, be sure to sign up for our mailing list to find out about upcoming guests, special announcements, and podcast giveaways. Now that we've thoroughly covered all of our email habits, (laughs) 